You're listening to the Off the Line Soccer Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Line. My name's Jack. Today I'm joined by Jake, and we also have Aiden, who returns this week. Uh, how are you guys doing? Hey, Jack, I'm doing good. Um, I've just started school again this week, so busy as can be. But other than that, doing very good. Aiden, how are you doing? I'm very, very well. Thanks for holding on the fort last week, guys. I didn't see a lot of the games, so it wasn't useful of me to come on, and I had something else to do. So thanks for doing that, but I'm back, and I'm very excited, and we all know other reasons for my excitement. How are you, Jack? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Obviously, where we live, there's uh, the, the stuff with COVID right now. Obviously, there's a government-issued, like, emergency, whatever that means. I don't really think anybody knows, so work's a little bit busier than usual. But although I think everybody's kind of tired of this whole situation and, you know, just the last year. So at least we can say that both of our clubs are doing really well at the moment. And it's kind of carrying us through right now. So you can just jump in uh, this week. It'll be a quicker episode. I'd say we're just going to discuss United's current form, Everton's current form, and just overall our thoughts on the, the top four race, even though it's, there's more teams than that, just overall where we think the teams are going to finish and, uh, just based off of their, their form throughout the season so far. So I guess we'll start off, guys. Man United, we'll start off with last week because, unfortunately, we missed last week's episode, just scheduling reasons. Um, United taking on Astonville and coming away with a 2-1 win. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this one? Obviously, you're going to be super pumped. Yeah, it was really, really exciting. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, it was almost two weeks ago now, so my memory's kind of failing me a little bit. Uh, I do just remember, of course, that, that big block from Bay at the end, which kind of saved the three points. Um, so that, that was an important part of the game. But it was nice at that point. Um, the win just brought United up to, I think they were tied with Liverpool on points after that. Um, it was it was just nice because normally, like, I'm generally pessimistic. So normally I expect United to just kind of, like, fold under pressure when the club has a chance to, like, hit, like, a, like a landmark or something. So I kind of expected, like, a... I know I predicted a win, but I have to. I kind of expected like a draw maybe, but it, it was good. Aston Villa are a good team. They played well. Um, obviously, we know how, how good Jack Grealish is, and he played pretty well in this game. Uh, I, I wasn't impressed with him at first, but then when I, when I watched some highlights over again, he was kind of involved with everything. Um, so it was good from that point. And Villa, they're doing really good too. Villa, they have if, – if they win their two games in hand, they go up to like joint third in the table, so – that's really impressive at this point in the season, considering where they were at the end of last season. They're almost, they're close to the same amount of points already. Um, but yeah, just very happy with United winning and, and at that time going um, uh, joint top at, at the top of the table. So, oh uh, yeah, it was it was nice. It was not something that we've really, it wasn't really a, a feeling that I've had watching United recently. It's just really exciting and you're really just hoping for something to happen. So. It is nice United have the most wins in the league. And um, yeah, just after the Villa game, I was very excited about, about where United was going. Uh, Aiden, how'd you feel? Just very relieved at the final whistle just to get across the line. Uh, Aston Villa were pouring on the pressure. United tend to sit back, uh, 
we saw it again in the Burnley game that will, when that will touch on, sorry, but they tend to sit back once they get the lead and kind of cling to it. Um, yeah. Eric by, was really good in this game His overall performance. And then the block at the end, like you said, it was a really exciting game. Actually. I like watching Aston Villa. Um, I don't know if Mourinho is trying to throw shade at United after this game by saying that Aston Villa is his favorite team to watch, but I kind of agreed with him. They're, they're really exciting and they always, try to play on the front foot. And to be honest, I don't really know what game you were watching there because Grealish was, Grealish was very influential, making many chances with his crosses. And uh, Aston Villa could have had a couple of goals if it wasn't for De Gea. Um, Martial got on the score sheet, which is good because his form uh, is kind of has been improving, even though he was really slacking I guess at the start of the season and then I guess the big moment of the game the big complaint from everyone he was the penalty that United gained from uh, Douglas Louise on Pogba um, I could see why people would not want it given as a penalty but when it's for United I'm not going to complain and they're both kind of wrestling with each other I think so I could see how Douglas Louise would feel hard done by but I think he might have just clipped his, his heel when they were in a little wrestling match but good for Pogba another uh, We'll get into it more with the Burnley game, but really weird feelings about Pogba at this moment. Uh, but as long as he's performing, that's all you can really ask for from a player. So I'm glad that he's doing that for the team. And Fernandez, when he gets a penalty, he's not going to miss because if he does, then the ref will just help him out and say the goalie was off the line. So there we go. Very happy. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like if he does miss for whatever reason, he just gets a retake. So he's going to score every single time. But yeah, I'm going to be honest, the only thing that, because this was a couple of weeks ago, the only thing I remember from this game is the block from Eric Bai in the last last play of the game, which saved the game because Villa were, as you said, piling on the pressure. But that, that block was absolutely huge. And we'll, we'll see at the end of the season, it might be something to look back on as an absolutely um, crucial block in, in the season for Man United to get full points in that game and then, uh, obviously, they just played yesterday and beat Burnley 1-0 to go clear of Liverpool at the top of the table. Jake, again, Paul, Paul Pogba coming up with the goal. And I, I'm gonna be, I was at work, so I didn't see this one. But uh, from everything I saw and all the stats, it looked like Paul Pogba was um, the key man in this one. So what, what do you think about this one? Yeah, he was good. Just to go on to the Aston Villa game, just for a last second, I uh, just want to give you your credit, Jack. You got your prediction right before the game for the score, so very impressive there. But yeah, <clears throat> the Burnley game, it was kind of weird because like... How do you even remember that? Uh, I listened to our episodes, of course. Uh, yeah, so for the United game yesterday, you, you were right. Pogba was kind of at the middle of everything. He's been really good. Uh, he's another one who was good in the, in the Villa game. I think he was playing on the, as a left mid there. In this game, he was playing more as like a part of a two and like a partnership with Matic. But he's at the moment, he's playing well, like wherever he's wherever he's being like <clears throat> positioned. So it's 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 promising. Um, me and Aiden were kind of talking about it during the game. If, if Pogba really wants to leave and he just puts in performances like this for the rest of the season and he helps United win a trophy, any kind of trophy, then he can leave like no hard feelings at all. He did his job for United. It's just that he's had trouble being consistent, but I don't want to criticize him right now when he's playing really well. Um, so it's nice to see you see him at his best. He is influential. Like you mentioned, won the penalty against Villa, scored against Burnley, even a, maybe a month ago, a couple months ago, he scored against West Ham too. 
so yeah, when it seems like when when it makes sense because he's so expensive and he's a talented player. When Pogba ticks, United kind of ticks too. So it, it is good. Um, just on the game, just in general, it was a shocking refereeing performance. Let's be honest, but United got the win, so that's kind of what matters. But um, yeah, Burnley Burnley played as Burnley do. They, I don't think they had a single shot on target. And they, they really didn't do much until they went behind. And from the 80th minute onwards, that's when Burnley really got like most of their good good goal scoring chances. But even then they couldn't take it. Um take them, sorry. And like Aiden mentioned, it is always stressful when you had to go ahead because then they, they just camped in the box for like the last five minutes when the long balls come in and then it's it's really nerve wracking, but uh glad to to get the three points out of this one and keep a clean sheet against Burnley. Um it was a it was a really nice goal by Pog, but obviously Rashford played the cross and he's Rashford's not been up to it by most people's standards recently, but he is playing on the right wing and he's playing injured as as always. And he, I think he's been playing as well as he as he really can be. And he created another goal here in Pogba with a nice volley. Um got a nice deflection. Nick Pope was unlucky. It, it just the ball went through his legs, but it was still a great skill from Pogba to to hit the hit the volley like that, I'm not sure if many other United midfielders could could hit a ball like that. Um, and yeah, like I've mentioned about three or four times now, just very very happy. Um, can't really believe United's top of the table, to be honest with you. Um, and just oh, big game against Liverpool on Sunday. Now this just adds like a whole different element to it. If United win that one, it goes six points ahead. So that would that would be a, a nice lead at this point of the season. Um, and yeah, I don't think I, I missed too much. Uh, Aiden, what did you think about this game? It was a good effort from Burnley, but they just don't really have good enough players like we always talk about. Um, they, their center halves did pretty well. Like Ben Mee was blocking everything in the first half. He, he played decently, but uh, they were they were just fouling United a lot and stopping kind of United on the break when United would counter. Um, and in the first half, they were, United were really keeping the possession. Pogba was just kind of making things tick all over the pitch. For the most part, throughout the game, the defense was like completely solid with Maguire and Bailly. Um, But I'll be honest, if they try to play out against Liverpool, I'm going to be shitting my pants, pardon my language, because these players do not know what they're doing when they try to play out of the back. Like they literally invite the pressure and then they try to like play. I'm like, okay, but Shaw, he's not good still. I don't, I'm not a fan of Luke Shaw. Um, people always rave about Matic. I find him really slow and he doesn't offer a lot, except apparently he gives like a calmness on the ball. Cause he just like stands there in one position and like looks around, like he doesn't know where to pass it, but that's okay. He's a, he, he's good on, for some people. So whatever. And then Fernandez, kind of a quiet game, I'll be honest. Um, same with Cavani. He didn't, for me, he didn't do too much um, other than when he went through there and that could have been a sending off, but Luke Shaw did foul. So yeah. I guess that was rightly uh, brought back. I think the frustration there was just nowadays, like you can't really have any contact. I know he did go through him. Like he was just trying to win the ball, but just nowadays, you can't really be out of control in any way, which is understandable, I guess. And yeah, just happy, happy with the, the win. Um, would have liked to see a few more goals, but you know how a Burnley play. A little bit of a concern was that United were crossing a lot. I would have liked to see them like get the fullbacks forward a bit more and create two V1s in the wide areas, but maybe cutbacks and stuff. But they were just crossing it time and time again, which is like bread and butter for Burnley, to be honest. Um, so I wasn't too impressed in that sense. 
Yeah, Luke Shaw had that nice cross for Maguire's header, but other than that, it wasn't mm-hmm. the crossing wasn't great. No, that was like wasn't that off a set piece or like a second phase of a set piece? Yeah, it was like a yeah. short corner, I think. Yeah, across yeah, things. yeah. I just mean more an open play. They weren't really doing too much to like get him behind and break down the lines, which I was a little disappointed in. But it's going to be hard to get him behind Burnley when they sit deep a lot without the ball. Yeah, but. How can you be sad? Top of the league, first time since 2013, so we'll take it. What What do you think, Jack? Yeah, they're they're obviously playing really well, and it's a game that if they're going to challenge for the league, they, they have to win, but they did. And just to bring back the Pogba discussion, I think that um, Solskjaer deserves a lot of credit because – uh, whether Pogba leaves or not, either this winter or the summer, I would think that it's going to be the summer. Um, the fact that Solskjaer has just said, you know, he's just going to keep him in and Pogba's performing really well. So maybe maybe Pogba feels like the pressure's almost off him a little bit and he can just go and enjoy himself and and win, and win United games and without knowing, like, like – maybe in the back of his mind is like, I'm just going to enjoy myself. And then at the end, I'm, I'm going to leave, but he's delivering right now. And I think the man management, it's really easy. We've seen it with Arteta as frozen out players that he doesn't necessarily like and, and criticize their, their attitude and stuff. But Ole's just kept him in the team and Pogba's been delivering. So it's, that's good to see. Cause I think like most fans in general, unless you're playing against United on the day, it's, it's good to see players like Pogba, um, play really well and like like I said um, the last last podcast with Jake like no matter what you think of Solskjaer you kind of sometimes you have to take a step back and maybe the results like the performances aren't convincing but when you look at the results they've won all these games top of the league and no matter who you say the manager is the the highest you can go is first place and they're in first place so it's not much more in my opinion you can do at this point um, and also I was thinking that um, just in the grand scheme of things, Solskjaer, like has he improved this team from where they were under Mourinho? And when you look at their team now, the team is definitely better. He's And he's brought in the youth, like players like Greenwood. He's brought in players like Brandon Williams. But just overall, it's definitely improvement. And you can see um, that overall the club on the field, at least, is headed in the right direction right now. Yeah, I think before we move on from United, I think like the biggest sign or thing for me that Ole has done like a good job for United is isn't like something that's really it's not a metric or anything, but it's just like the feeling around the club, the feeling of the fans and the happiness. Although he has the detractors, I think generally it's a lot more positive than when Mourinho was in charge and like that's not really can't really be measured by stats, but I definitely noticed that. Yeah, for sure. And United have been lost the last 11 in the league. And just like, honestly, you ha- as a United fan, we haven't really been excited like this since Alex Ferguson retired. Like the last time we were excited was like last season, hoping to get top four and like hoping a couple of seasons ago that Mourinho would be able to take us to first place in the league, but without really any evidence that he could. It was just based on his reputation, which is fair enough. But I'm just saying like we've never been really close to, to the title. Um at this stage of a season since Alex Ferguson retired. So it's just a definitely new feeling. It's kind of nice. Um, just the last thing I was, it was funny. I was just looking at the table last night and it was just like, 
I felt like I was playing football manager or something. It's been such a long time since United's been up top there. I'm just not used to seeing it. So just looking at it just made a big difference, but obviously very, very happy. Um, really no complaints at all. Just can't believe we're up here at this point in the season. Yeah, I think sometimes last thing, we'll, we'll talk about United in a little bit, but um, like you said, like it's just better than it was under Mourinho. And like you can't, when you compare the managers, obviously Mourinho's resume speaks for itself, but sometimes it's about the fit, the fit of the manager at the club. It's the same as like, not, I don't want to go back to this, but when Sam Allardyce was the manager of Everton, like he, they got whatever we got set eighth place or seventh place, like nobody liked him. And it didn't matter that he got like eighth place when we were in 13th before it's about the fit and, and it is about the fans and their perception of the manager. You want to have that connection and just to transition now, like, like you said, there's such a positive feeling around man United right now. The same can be said uh, for Everton with, with Ancelotti right now. I'll just quickly touch on the fact that um, two games ago when Everton took on West Ham, they lost one nil at Goodison park. I honestly have nothing to say about this game except it was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's not just because I'm an Everton fan. The game was pathetic. It was so bad that even Suchek's winning goal was one of the worst goals I've ever seen. I just, do you have, I think Jake, you watched this game. Do you have anything quickly to add? Because I want to move on from that. I barely remember anything. Hot garbage. It was, I mean, even Suchek's goal, you can't really say it was planned or it was like result of good work. It was just Cresswell taking a shot that was going like, 10 yards wide. Suchek just, yeah. Suchek just happened to be there and just, just tapped it in. So yeah, it was, it was awful. I was not a fan of watching that game. Yeah. It just, it was just a terrible game. We really showed how much Everton, like when you have players on the pitch who can't create anything in midfield, you've got Decore, Tom Davis, Gilfie Sigurdsson, who does nothing. I, some fans are saying he's turned a corner with his form. No, he hasn't. He's still, he's still terrible. And, Oh, not a good player. Bernard, this guy should be good. He should be good. When you see, you can see there's talent there, but he's not good. So I don't understand. And then Richarlison, this guy's like not fit. I don't know what's going on with him. And Calvert-Lewin was apparently injured for the West Ham game. Ancelotti said um, in the lead up to to yesterday's game um, against Wolves. But Calvert-Lewin, obviously, if you have no service like they did in this game, he's not going to score. He's not going to create anything for himself but credit to West Ham pretty much best way to explain this game is Everton got like David Moyes like exactly what David Moyes would do uh with Everton we were just on the receiving end it's it's not good because it was an absolutely shocking game of football but it did seem to be a little bit just a just a blip in in this very strange season because yesterday uh Everton traveled to Molyneux and beat Wolves 2-1 Although their team was just a makeshift team um, without like R- Richarlison, who was, who's on the bench, who came on for the last 10 minutes. And Chalotti said he, like, he, he's not fit. Like, he didn't want to even play him in the game. Without, uh, without, Richarlison, without Richarlison, without Allen, without Calvert-Lewin, in, in the, only the second game that he's missed all season, um, Leading into this game, every Everton fan just expected Jank Tosin, the one of the worst strikers in the league, to to play. And it just so happens this guy must be so bad that 
Ancelotti would rather play a 4-4-2 with Gilfie Sigurdsson and James Rodriguez as strikers than Cenk Tosin. Also putting Luca Dean as left midfield, Ben Godfrey, who's a center back, at left back, Mason Holgate at right back, even though he's a center back, and then Tom Davies and DeCourie in, in midfield. And, like, obviously it's, it's not perfect, and the game wasn't perfect, but they completely delivered. And the first goal for Awobi, I don't know if you guys saw it, that was one of my favorite goals this season. Just the whole move was really, really good, really, really well-worked goal with some one-touch passing. And um, I'm just really excited for when uh, Calvert-Lewin and Allen get back into this team. Um, I'm super excited to see what they come up with because uh, although I know Wolves were missing a bunch of key players as well, at least they had players playing in their natural positions. Like like Everton were playing with Gil- – Gilfie Sigurdsson was playing the number nine role. Like how did they pull that off, even though like Wolves with injuries, they, at least they had players in their natural position and Everton to win 2-1. I don't think uh, Molyneux – like it's a pretty tough place to go and the fact that they could get a win there was really, really good. But – uh, I don't know if you guys saw this one. Do you have anything to add, guys? I didn't see this one. It was at the same time as the United-Burnley game. But I can just say it is kind of impressive. Well, it's definitely impressive, the position everything they're in in general, like fifth in the table right now, um, or maybe sixth after the Spurs game that's going on right now against Fulham. We don't know. But either way, at the, at right now, fifth place. And, and starting with that lineup, it seems kind of a bad lineup. It, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not really sure. I would think like Gilfie and James Rodriguez up front and Luca Dean on the left wing and Nwobi on the right right wing would be like a successful team against Wolves. But uh, I mean, you could definitely see what what Ancelotti is doing with the club if they manage to pull out these wins with with the same well with relatively the same team as before. So it didn't see it, but definitely impressive. Um, yeah, good for Everton. They're, they're they're doing really well this season. Yeah, just for me. Wolves, their form has really gone off the boil now. They've um, they've lost five of their last eight games, so that's not very good in the league. And um, Everton's away form has been really impressive. Bar United, they might have the best away form in the league right now, won seven of their last ten, and that's really impressive when you consider that's the same amount as when they played their like twenty eight previous to that. They'd only won seven, so that's really good. Uh, really good improvement. And I think this result kind of shows the spirit of the team. They don't have players playing in the natural positions. And maybe you would say, if you're being a little harsh, not even a ton of quality aside from James and the team, but they obviously have a good setup, good shape. And they, they just listen to instructions, which I don't know. I, I don't really think Wolves are that good anymore with, with the players that they're missing, but it is impressive from Everton's point of view. And they always seem like they bounce back now under Carlo Ancelotti, even after like kind of a fluky, weird result against West Ham and a poor performance. It's good to see that they can bounce back. So like Jake was saying, it just is really impressive, their position too. I wasn't really expecting this, but I think it might, I don't know, Jack, you could answer this. It might make results like West Ham even more frustrating knowing if they just, if it went the other way and Everton had pipped a goal, they would be like above Liverpool right now. Yeah, I, I, I would agree, but I think every single team in the league, even, even Liverpool, have, have lost like strange games this season. United did early on. It's, it seems to be one of those, like when we, when we drew Burnley and lost to West Ham. But 
overall, like, let, let's be honest, like there's Everton fans who are saying the Champions League race is on. And I, I don't know what they're, they're watching because I quite frankly cannot see that, but it's just, it, it shows that we're headed in the right direction. And we just quite simply to, to win all these games w- without the, without the depth is, is impressive. Like we're, we're, we're throwing like Gilfie Sigurdsson as the number nine, this guy, this guy always gets away with it. And the commentators never point out how bad he was, but even yesterday they were saying he needed to go off because he, he wasn't getting into, he wasn't getting into the right areas, but just a scrappy win. And just a couple of, a couple of mentions like James Rodriguez, obviously back in the team, he was missing um, for the last while now. And just his quality showed for the, for the first goal and his passing range is unbelievable and as soon as he gets the ball in the final third like you can you can see the movement around him it's just a matter of him having runners to pass to so and his link up play with Awobi who is also Awobi's been very very good for Everton over the last like month or so and there's been a lot of games also Luca Dean finally back in the team playing playing as a left midfielder he's just he's just quality so he can get away with it and then uh Michael Keane, pretty like there weren't really any bad performances. Like statistically, Tom Davis was very, very good defensively, even though I'm not fully, fully convinced by him, but he played really well. Michael Keane, this was one of the best performances by a center back I've seen for Everton in a very, very long time. The goal that Wolves scored by Neves, I think a lot of credit, it wasn't the best defensive work by Decore, but I think the, the cross from Nuri went a little bit under the radar by the commentary because I've watched the replay a bunch of times and he whips the ball in and it curls between uh, Ben Godfrey, I think, Yerry Mina. It just curls away from both of them. So even though they're in like the right positions for a regular cross, the quality is so good right on Deneves' foot. Um, but Michael Keane, like, besides scoring the goal, this guy's passing range – left and right foot he was just playing like spraying the ball the whole game and his passes were absolutely insane and then Ben Godfrey up against Pedro Neto who we know is on the dribble and just running he's one of the quickest and hardest players in the league to deal with um and Neto's speed he tried to get around Ben Godfrey like five times in this game and Ben Godfrey is just absolutely insane this guy's so fast He's just a brick wall, but he's got so much pace that by the third sprint, Neto just like he just stopped running. He just gave up because he knew he wasn't going to get around. But it's good to see Everton getting three points. And what we can say, I think all of us can agree, they're not getting that win in the last two seasons with throwing out that team with those injuries. And it's just like super exciting to know that the the spirit of the team is there to scrape these wins. Um, and also the chemistry with players like Hamas and Awobi. And it looks like when Allen and Calvert-Lewin are back in the team, it looks like Awobi will be on the right, uh, Richarlison on the left, Hamas in the number 10 in the middle, and then Calvert-Lewin up front. It is going to be really dangerous. And the last one, like you said, Aiden, um, Wolves are in really poor form. Uh, I definitely agree Like with their injuries and their current form a lot of it. We, we know has to do with their injuries. Like Fabio Silva, I think that guy costs like 40 million. He's obviously a kid and he's going to get better, but the drop off like him compared to him and as it's just, he's absolutely like he's, he does not even look ready for the Premier league. He just doesn't look physically strong enough just in the, the 
the drop down from Jimenez is very, very evident, and it's very easy to see. And then they also they're without Adam Atrore and Daniel Pedence and some other key players. So it's just kind of, kind of similar to Everton in the sense that you know their their season could easily be um, derailed by these key injuries. But we'll we'll have to see what happens with them because they're they're not doing well at the moment. But uh, I guess we'll we'll move on now. I guess we can just discuss the the top four and the title charge. Do you guys? We we spoke a little bit about it last week. Um, United now three points clear, and have to play Liverpool this weekend. And what like, I'm so happy I'm I'm not working this weekend so I can see this. Uh, United taking on Liverpool. Do you guys think that United have a very good chance of winning this? And and what would the the three points mean if they if they win this? Yeah, so the three points for United, obviously, it would, it would mean, like, pretty much everything. Um, I'm not really a fan when people say, like, this is the, the three points that matters most, like, so far in the season or whatever. But really, if United win this game, um, it, it could really, like, make the team believe. I, I'm sure that the team does believe right now. But if you end up beating Liverpool, like, your biggest rivals, uh, the team who – the defending champions, obviously, the team who who broke some records last season for how well they were playing um, – it would really just elevate United's team just to, to a whole new level. I think it's kind of like when Leicester beat um, Manchester city back in 2015, when they won the league, a lot of Leicester players said at that point, that was when they started believing that they could win the league. So this would be a, a huge win for United. Obviously um, I'm, you know, I'm kind of desperate for United to win this one. Just, it, it would be incredible, but um, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to go with the United win just because I do every week and they haven't really let me down recently. Uh, I'm still not sure if United are title title favorites. Like I'm pretty sure I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't conclude them as that, but uh, you can't deny the position that they're on the table. It, it just adds like a whole new meaning to this, to this fixture on Sunday. Cause it's been a really long time since this fixture was a top of the table clash. It was either Liverpool were in the down uh, poor run of form or like when they were down in eighth in the table, maybe five, six years back. Uh, and the same with United recently. So this is a huge game. It's, it's one I'm really looking forward to, but I also kind of don't want to see it if that makes some sense, just because I'll, I'll be extremely nervous for it. But uh, the pressure is on Liverpool. Like most most players or most people expect Liverpool to, to win the league or at least challenge or be higher up than United. And most people think that they should be winning these games. So I think uh, the pressure is on Liverpool. We've seen like their, their fans and their players and, and even Jurgen Klopp, <clears throat> excuse me, even Jurgen Klopp, they've been talking about United in the media recently. So it's great. They're getting rattled. They're getting nervous. So it's something that, that I love to see. It means United's in their heads at this moment. So I'm hoping United can get the, the three points and it'll be, it'll be incredible uh, if they do. Aiden, what do you think? And I definitely think United can win the game. For me, I'm just going to be looking at like the first 10 or 15 minutes and that'll just hopefully if United like play the ball out well, they don't take too many chances in the back and they kind of get settled and realize, okay, we're, we're in this game. We can play and just feel their way into the game because Liverpool are probably going to be coming like pressing and coming at them from the first like minute. So I think, just for the mentality, the first 10 or 15 minutes getting settled in and not conceding any sloppy goals or getting outnumbered or losing the ball in a bad area is going to give them confidence. And yeah, I think the attack that United have, they can definitely get at Liverpool and especially on the counter attack. I, I think 
players like Rashford that can have the beating of Trent all day. I wouldn't be surprised to see Trent down on the floor a few times. <laughs> um, just a little prediction. He, his defending isn't the greatest, but uh, but that that being said, we know Liverpool can hurt United too. Uh, I think it really just comes down to the first 10 or 15 minutes. And another just thing that gives me confidence is for the most part over his tenure, Solskjaer's teams have performed really well in big moments, big games. So I'm, I'm feeling confident going into the match. And it, maybe if Van Dyke was playing, I, I wouldn't feel so confident. But since he's not there uh, right now, I feel pretty confident. And if United can win the title, it's a bit too early for that. But why not dream? You're at the top. So, yeah, I think so. What do you think, Jack? I think with United already three points clear, I think that it, it suits them pretty well for to set up in this game. I think that they can probably just just defend, even if they do get a draw. Or it could literally be a 1-1 or a nil-nil draw. But if they just sit back and wait and just look to counter through Rashford, like Rashford against Trent, like, good night. Trent will be on the floor. This guy, this guy, he, he is incredible. I don't want Liverpool fans to be like, oh, they're just so biased against Liverpool. Trent going forward is, is one of the battle. He's special going forward. Defensively, he's so bad. He's terrible. He's not even average. He's poor defensively. So... Uh, I think, you know, if, if United just sit back and put the onus on Liverpool, who, if they're going for the title, Liverpool, as they are, they're going to have to look to chase the game. And I think that if United just sit back, I think it can set them up perfectly. You get Bruno looking for space, find Bruno, play it to Rashford over the top, and they, they'll be able to uh, to pick off Liverpool that way. Obviously, I'm pretty sure Liverpool are starting to get quite a few players back from injury. So we'll have to wait and see. It is this weekend. So there's just still... Uh, a couple of days before then, and we don't know the team news or anything. So I think it could um, suit United, though, the fact that Liverpool will have to go searching for the win. And really, if you think about it, if United get a if United get a point, that's not the worst result in the world, in my opinion. But a win would definitely be a um, a statement of intent, saying that they truly are challengers. Even though I do agree with you, and it's just a little bit too early to call anybody, but. Uh, you guys can add your final thoughts. I do want to discuss Manchester City's current form because um, like earlier on in the season, they really seem to be struggling. They've obviously not handled the COVID situation very well at all when you hear of their their players and certain outbreaks and the fact that they just like aren't really working with other teams in terms of the information that they're passing along. But you know, or on the field, City have really picked up some form uh, they beat Brighton today. Obviously, you'd expect them to. It did beat United in the Cup, but also absolutely destroying Chelsea 3-0 at, or 3-1 at Stamford Bridge, beating Newcastle. And they're, they're really starting to, uh, to pick up some form without a true striker in the team right now. So just, uh, you can give your quick thoughts on or any thoughts on United. And then I just want to hear what you guys have to say about City's current form. Yeah, I think City are probably like the favorites for the league at this point. There's, it's weird because they're they're still not playing like the way City kind of play. Um, we haven't really seen, <clears throat> sorry, we haven't really seen these games where City like dominate. It, it's funny because the game where they they looked like more like their old their, their old selves was against Chelsea, which is obviously like a 
a better team than, than Newcastle and Brighton, but Chelsea not in a good run. But yeah, it's, it's, City still have some some of those moments in them. So if you're like their players or, or Pep or anything, you, you are encouraged by that. You just want to see it more often this season. Um, like I think we might have mentioned this before, but Pep's gone back to playing the double pivot. Um, he's It's kind of more like more focused on his defense first. Um which I think they've had eight clean sheets in their last, or at this point after the game against Brighton, I think it's nine clean sheets in their last 11, which is obviously really good for them um, or for anyone for that matter. Uh, they're playing really well. John Stones has come back in. He's keeping Laporte out of the side. I, th- I think Laporte has COVID again now, but even before Laporte was on the bench for, I think it was a month, only playing one game. John Stones and Ruben Diaz, like, they've been really good together. They just kind of complement each other really well. It, it's weird because Ruben Diaz is playing for, for Manchester City, but he's not really like a great pass with the ball at all, but he's just kind of the defender that they needed. Like he'll do the gritty stuff, the, the dirty work that, that you need from pretty much every team. Um, and yeah, just it, it it's weird because at the beginning of the season, I was saying it quite a bit. It's just like not, the, it doesn't feel like the same city which I think it's it's still right, but there's still just four points behind United with a game uh, a game in hand. So they're right up there with them. So I, I, as long as they're getting the job done, I think it's just they're being efficient with it. They're not just being as, as free-flowing and as free-scoring as they have been before. But honestly, whatever works to, to get them the points on the board. Um, they've only lost two games in the league this season, so it's been quite a – quite a while since they lost uh, I obviously they got they got smashed at Leicester at the beginning of the season I can't remember the other loss but um they're on a really really good run of form with four wins in a row like Jack mentioned and they're looking really like a team that that belongs at the top of the table um which of course they do with the money that they've spent but still at this point uh, it, it's a good position to be in for them uh Aiden what do you think about City yeah just if we're going to talk about the overarching top four conversation right now I think City for me, are looking the favorites for the title. If I was just going to put my two cents in there about that, I I think they could easily do it. They they it's a different style, like you're saying. They're they're not overpowering every single team, even though at points they look like they could score at will against Chelsea. But I think that was a lot of down to Chelsea's frailties in themselves, who weren't really very good in defense, but could just be me. Um, yeah, the, it's surprising. John Stones has made such a big impact in the in defense and his record speaks for itself since he's returned to the team. Um, I just like City, like how they play, that you know they can score. And when they get other players back like Aguero and Laporte, they're going to be even better. And Phil Foden's starting to find his form and maybe replace David Silva a little bit where there was a hole before. And there's other players that we don't really talk about, like Ferran Torres, who can come in at any time. So we already know about the depth of City. That's why I just think they're kind of the favorites. And they were they were hanging about without even hitting their top gear, and I still don't think they have. So if they do, I think they're going to blow the other teams away. Yeah, I agree. I would say, like, obviously we know how good their team is. You know, Guardiola is a great, great coach. Um, I would say it's just impressive defensively. They're, they've only conceded 13 goals this season, which is really, really top top stuff, even if they are that good. But they have been playing without a striker, really. They've put De Bruyne up front, and they've still got the wins. But it's like some, some credit there because it doesn't really even, – even when you have some great players playing without a striker, it's, 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 it's pretty – 
pretty tough. And I, I would still say, I wouldn't say this a couple of weeks ago, but they've really started to pick up the form. It was the game against Chelsea. We'll, we'll touch on them next, but the game against Chelsea, they literally, if, if Manchester City wanted the game to be like five, six, seven to one, they could have, if they just, if they just uh, kept their foot on the gas, but they look to control that second half. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's looking really good for them. And, Obviously, Spurs at the moment, because Spurs are winning the game as we're recording this, um, Harry Kane's got a goal so against Fulham. So Spurs, Man City, Leicester, and Everton are all technically tied on third on 32 points. So um, Man City still have a game in hand because of that game that was called off against Everton. And if Manchester City win that one, then they'll go into second above Liverpool. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree. They're just they're just too good to stay where they were for most of the season. It's just now really starting to to click for them. Uh, we'll move on now. Um, obviously, Chelsea. We all know Chelsea's been terrible recently. Uh, Jake, what's going on with Chelsea at the moment? And do you trust Frank Lampard to get them out of this situation? Not really. Like he's never really been challenged before as a manager. Let's. I mean, there's no point going over it because everyone knows at this point. But obviously, like. What what did he really do to like deserve this job? Like he lost in the playoff final with Derby County. Like I don't know if 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 big clubs hired managers based on that, then like imagine who you'd have leading the Premier League table. Like you know what I mean? Like imagine if just losing a, a championship playoff final was the requirement to get like a top job, then you'd have a bunch of uh, not clueless managers, but less talented i guess up up near the top so it was just kind of weird to start off it was interesting because after the game against city it was like five minutes after the final whistle and the athletics started reporting that um that frank lampard's job is under threat and the the chelsea board are, are kind of looking at replacements and then there was like a report yesterday that that abramovich was hoping to hire uh, avram grant as like part of Frank Lampard's coaching staff, but obviously he's managed Chelsea, I think on two separate occasions as like a caretaker and stuff. So it just kind of feels like someone would be there just like babysitting Lampard. So it'd be kind of an interesting hire. I'm not sure if I was Lampard, if I'd feel happy at all about that, but um, yeah, it is kind of weird. Like it is kind of worrying. We, we did mention obviously earlier on that Chelsea hadn't been good against teams in the top 10 and that's just continued. It's come back to, to hurt them. They're beating the teams that anyone would reasonably expect them to, but when it comes to the big games, they're just not showing up. Like against, they didn't just lose against Arsenal and City. They looked really worrying in both those games. It looked like they weren't up to it. Um, they scored late on in both of those games when when the games were both over, and um, I think they conceded either five or all six of those six goals before halftime. So they're just really giving themselves no chance to stay in the game either. I think especially in City's case, like you mentioned, they just kind of put their, took their foot off the gas pedal. So that's the only reason why the score wasn't racked up. Um, and it, it's definitely worrying. Like, they're, they're just, he's just not getting the best out of these players. Like, if, if you're buying Havertz and Werner for the amounts of money that you, that they did, like, I think roughly, like, $40 million for Werner and, like, what, 60 for Havertz or something like that, you have to play them in their best positions. Like, Havertz play them as a number 10 and Werner play them up top or in the front two, like, I don't like Werner's a decent winger, but it's not the, the position where you're going to get him to score all those goals, all those assists that you need from him. And Havertz, the same thing for him on the, on the right wing or, you know, playing in deep in midfield or anything. It's, it's just not the way to get the best out of the team. 
Um, I don't really know like what, if he should, if he needs to change formation or change his tactics or what it is, but they definitely need to change something soon. And it's, it's just kind of worrying. Like you see the reports coming out that some of the players are unhappy with Lampard. Um, I've heard that some of the players that, that like are, are on the bench, that they're not really part of his first team plans week in, week out. They feel completely like ignored and left out from him. So that's kind of worrying. That's not really the man management you want at a top club. You want players who are happy or who are like ready to step in at any time and fight for the manager. So obviously it doesn't sound like that's the case for everyone at Chelsea. So that's just worrying and so- something to keep an eye on. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what they do. I just think Lampard was like a bad hire in the first place. And you kind of, you're kind of stuck in that right now because if you get rid of him right now, who's really going to come in at this point? If they see even that the club, the club legend Lampard only gets a season and a half to, to, to get Chelsea way up, and after that, it's it's he's gone. So I don't know if anyone would be really happy to to replace that. Um, but yeah, that, that's all I have. Aiden, what do you think about Chelsea? Yeah, that is a decent point that no one might want to come in and replace them. But I think a lot of the other managers around the world would say what exactly what you started with is that I'm a better coach than Frank Lampard. Let's be honest, I can do a better job than him. So they would take the job just based on that. And with the quality of players that they seem to have in their squad that haven't really shown up, although they're new to the Premier League, a lot of them, Werner and Havertz and some other players like Pulisic, Conte, and you can just keep going on and on, Reese James, Joel, whatever. Uh, I think that other managers would think they can do a, a better job. And I think other managers previously have that have managed Chelsea have done a better job with worse squads. Maybe Maurizio Sarri, for example, player, uh, managers like that. Um, so I think it's just really bad. And I, I don't really, I don't watch every Chelsea game. Like I haven't seen many games over this period, but I think that the consensus is that it's kind of down to, to Frankie boy. And we always goof on Chelsea or uh, Arsenal, but now Arsenal only find themselves three points behind Chelsea. So I think that kind of also shows the worrying state of Chelsea really in their form one wins and one win in their last five that I see there. So not good signs. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I agree. I agree with you guys. It just, as I, I know, obviously you want to see an act like a legend of your club. You want to see them succeed. I just, I can't get by the fact that um, it, it's slight like comparing Arteta and Lampard, which you see a lot is a little bit different because we all know that the infrastructure of the club and the management uh, at uh, a higher level in Arsenal and the ownership, we all know that they're not good. They're not organized and can often say that Arteta, it's not all down to him, which that's, that's what I think. It's not entirely down to him, but with Lampard, he's been, he's been backed. He's been given the players and, uh, when you see teams like, I'm just going to make the comparison of bringing in like Ancelotti to Everton. Ancelotti has been at Everton for less time than Lampard has been at Chelsea. And you can see, first of all, you can see what is the strongest team for Everton. They just haven't been healthy. But when when the strongest team is fit, you, Ancelotti knows his best team, knows who he has to bring in and said, okay, this is where I need to strengthen the team. And here's my strongest team. You can see some patterns of play, especially like Hamas switching it to Dean to cross it for Calvert-Lewin, that sort of thing. And at, at Chelsea, I don't see that. And you see Lampard's had a lot of time to implement his style, his system, and get his players in. And ultimately, I know this might sound weird, but I think you guys will agree with me. When you have that much money and with Chelsea's 
policy of firing managers like year after year and not giving them any time to build something. I just don't understand why Chelsea, who are willing to buy the players and invest in players, why Frank Lampard is the guy that they decide to back the least qualified and the least proven player, their manager that they could have possibly gotten when you could probably get many managers out there. I'm not even saying like top managers. I'm just saying many managers in general that get that, like that squad and they're a great squad and, uh, and, and play so poorly recently. Although we do know if they just win a couple of games, like we've seen Arsenal at Chelsea go on a run, then they'll climb the table. But like we, we all three of us agree that even this season with the squad that they have after maybe a slow start should pick it up and be closer to title challengers and definitely should be by next season. But I honestly, I just think it's a waste that why is Frank Lampard the manager that you choose to back and give the time to build something? It makes no sense to me from a logical perspective. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I don't, again, I'm going to go back to the point. He hasn't really proven that he can do it. Like when he was in the championship, he didn't really have that many players and, I'm fairly certain, like, none that were brought in for, like, decent money. They were just, just all, like, low-level players. So, I don't really know. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really know what the logic is there. If you're either, either you keep them and you keep them for a while, or you get rid of them now and, and see if you get something out of the rest of the season. But I think if you just keep them and do nothing with it, it's just kind of like a season in limbo. Like, there's, there's no point to it. Um, Obviously, I don't expect him to stay down in ninth, but imagine if they do and they don't even finish in European competition, then obviously he's definitely going to have to go. You're going to say that's a, that's a failure for sure for, on, this, on the season. Yeah, I agree with you, Jake. Uh, we'll, we'll move on. Like you said, Aiden, Chelsea are only three points above Arsenal who've won their last three games in the Premier League. Now, personally, I've, I've seen a couple of their games and the performances have improved, and obviously they've got the results. They haven't played the best teams. They play. They destroyed Chelsea, but like Jake and I, we've already gone over the the goals were, I don't know, a little bit suspect with a penalty and a and a shot cross from from Saka and a really good free kick from Granite Xhaka. So three goals, not really chances. Kind of strange goals that wouldn't happen every game. But they did beat Brighton, who were okay, and then they destroyed Sam Allardyce's West Brom, which I was very very happy to see. Um, but I, I would say the main takeaway from Arsenal right now, yes, they've got the points, but I do like to see, and I want to see what you guys think. I like the fact that Arteta has finally decided, okay, well, these terrible senior players aren't going to do it and they're not delivering for me. So at least we'll bring in and, and trust the youth. And we know that the ownership and, and everything at Arsenal at a board level is a complete mess, but it's good to see that Arteta is at least trusting the youth. And I personally believe that even if Arsenal aren't a very good team right now, because they're not, it would be more positive to see them um, or see Arteta just build his team around young players like Bukayo Saka, Mar Gabriel Martinelli, and Emil Smith-Rowe, who I think is really good every time I've seen him. Seems like a very, very intelligent player. But what are your current thoughts on Arsenal's form jake and what do you think about their young players if do you think our Arteta could build something with them yeah it's like you mentioned like um i think some of their young players are good like martinelli is that sorry martinelli is definitely good um eddie and is definitely good um joe Willock, he's 
kind of mad, but the, Saka, like obviously he's really, he's a really good player. Um, so yeah, they've definitely got the guy like Kieran, Kieran Tierney is still very young and uh, Bellerin's not old, even though I'm not the biggest fan of him, but just, just in general, um, even, you know, even Gabrielle or, or William Saliba is obviously been mowed down. I know I pretty much just named their whole team there, but like I mentioned for Chelsea, it's kind of like a lost season for Arsenal at this point. Like they're not going to get in the Champions League. They, they'd probably be like satisfied with the Europa League considering their start, but it's not really where they want to be, especially at the beginning of the season. Um, so honestly, for the rest of the season, like keep the underperforming guys on the bench and just get the young players playing. See see what they could do. See if they can grow into the league. Get kind of get used to it. Like I know he's on 200k a week, so you're kind of feel pressured into playing him. But William should not be playing at this point. Like he's obviously not delivering. He's he's doing much less than what the young players are doing, and he's costing like what six times more than what the young players are making. So it doesn't make sense. Like I would. Even Aubameyang, he's not had a good season at all, but I would just start him down the middle with Martinelli and Saka on either on either wing. And then you've got like a, a front line that's good now. And obviously I expect Aubameyang to leave either this summer or next summer just due to his age or and his wages and all that. But even if you could get like Nketiah in after that and then you have Martinelli and Saka who are both re- like ready to play in the Premier League. They've been playing for a couple of years on the wings. They know like the defenders have to come up against and it... it it just it would make a lot of sense um, for for Arsenal just to get the young players playing right now, get them adapted. Like I know Saliba's gone on loan, but I could I don't see what's wrong with a center back partnership of Gabrielle and Saliba. Like you guys know, it's been like a running theme on the podcast to talk about Arsenal's center backs. But is is are Saliba and Gabrielle worse than Rob Holding? No. Are they worse than David Luiz? No. Are they worse than Socrates? No. Are they worse than Mustafi? No. So just play them. See see what can happen. Maybe they can get the partnership going and next season they could really propel Arsenal up and just have a have a solid base, which has been a problem for a long, long time. We've seen Tierney still young. As I mentioned, he's playing really well. Um as a left back now, he's kind of playing being played more in, in the back four instead of a left center back in the back three. So obviously that suits him better. So there are kind of some promising signs there, but I'm still not convinced Arsenal have like turned a leaf or anything like that. They've only won three games in a row. Like it's sure it's impressive, but they still have more losses than wins in the league this season. So that's not really somewhere where you expect Arsenal to be at this point in the season. So I don't think, well, I'm not convinced yet. I could say that they're, they're a changed team. Definitely on the right track. If they could keep up some of the signs that they're doing right now, and just keep the momentum going for sure. And maybe draw like against a big club that they're not expecting to. Obviously they beat Chelsea a couple of weeks ago. So that was good. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think that it's definitely promising. They should just play the young players because they're talented and, and they've proven that in moments that they could do it in the league. So it's just getting them ready to play in the league week in week out and be consistent. So it, that would really be a, a good foundation for Arsenal going forward. So yeah, other than that, yeah, there's not too much. I, just uh, just being cautious with Arsenal, but th- there are definite signs there that they're doing well. Uh, Aiden, what do you think about Arsenal? Yeah, definitely a bit of improvement. I'm not going to give Arteta too, too much credit. Maybe call me a cynic, but I feel like this was he was forced into this so he didn't lose his job because, as you guys both said, the senior players clearly weren't cutting it, and he just kept persisting with them. Um, so he had to try something else, and the, the youth have kind of bailed him out, I guess, uh, given their performances. Uh, still not sure about that defense, like you're talking about. 
Rob Holding signing a new deal? Is that guy the linchpin of the back four? What's going on there? Not not certain about that. He's he's not very good at all. Um, and then just the same old questions. It's always the same. I don't need to touch on anything until they get investment. Just the base of the team is just the same for 10 years. Like without Thomas Partey, not no solidity in midfield for me and the, the center backs need to find a consistent partnership there. Um, the less important areas of their team, I'd say, if you want to think of it, they have decent players, but they need to get that kind of, strong spine like we've seen in like really good title winning teams with Liverpool and City in recent seasons I think if they're really going to make a charge and that'll only take a solid investment plan which isn't likely with the board as we've talked about um, so if he's pushing in this direction hopefully they have a really good academy and a good pipeline where they can keep producing more and more players but good for them they've turned a corner and I don't know if Arsenal fans are happy because now Arteta is going to stay in the job, it looks like, but uh, good for him, I guess. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, there's there's signs of improvement, and it was so bad that, like, as long as there's slight improvement and playing the young players as, like, someone, like, it must be good. You guys supported, like, United but have a very good academy. Arsenal have a very good academy. And when, when you think of good academies, I'm talking about, players who actually transition and make it into the club so man united's youth academy players like rashford uh rashford greenwood brandon williams you know these players who actually go straight into into the team and and contribute and like like arsenal they've got this group of young players like i I wish that i wish that everton's academy and currently it's being fixed it'll be good in like 10 years from now when this project is over hopefully but not seeing any players move into the the first team is often frustrating so if i'm an arsenal fan at least i know okay they don't have the greatest team and every arsenal fan will admit that at least you know getting getting the youth involved is a good start because they let's let's be honest lads they can't go they couldn't go much lower in the table and it shows that just three wins on the bounce can completely change your premier league season and also this this league like for quality wise is really overrated at times, but, um, but yeah, Arsenal, I would like, if I'm a fan currently, I'd be happy with the current form because um, Arteta has tried something new, new, whether he's been backed into it or not, at least, at least it's been working. Um, I just want to finish off on a few things. Obviously Sheffield United played against Newcastle yesterday. And finally, Chris Wilder's side finally got their first win of the season. It's taken till January to get it, but they finally beat Newcastle. Um, Newcastle with um, Ryan Frazier sent off for not the smartest tackle after getting a yellow like two minutes before that. But Newcastle losing this one, just one of those games that that you'd hope Sheffield could take advantage of and finally get that first win. Um, I, I'm curious to see what you guys think. Do uh, I wrote them off last week? Do we think that there's any chance that Sheffield United stay up after that? There's a chance, not a good one. <laughs> I was just looking at the table. There's still nine points out of the last relegation place. Or sorry, they're nine points away from being out of the relegation zone. So you, you kind of you've heard us talk about it for a while. Like three games can totally change your season. But the fact is that Sheffield United have only gained points in three games this whole season so i'm not really confident about them 
managing to put together a good enough run to uh, get out of there. Like, it's kind of a weird one because last season you you see a lot of people saying, like, it's a championship championship players that are just playing well above their means. And this season you got a lot of people saying they're a Premier League team, but, well, technically, you know what I mean? Like, they're Premier League proven players who are just performing below what they're what they're expected to. So it's kind of like a weird paradox there, but I don't know. I'm not confident. Obviously like I'm not going to bash him because I, I do like Chris Wilder. I think he's a good manager, but at this point I'm still not confident, but I could just imagine how Newcastle fans must feel right now. Imagine being that team that loses to the bottom team who had lost 15 out of their last 17 games. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm very glad I'm not a Newcastle fan right now. And you saw how much it meant to Sheffield United at the final whistle. I think Chris Wilder was almost in tears and some of the players. So obviously for them, it's, a, it's an important step forward. So I do like them. So I kind of hope they can get out of trouble, but I'm not ready to, to be, to confidently say that they're getting out of it right now. Uh, Aiden, what do you think? No, they're still going down. They scored a penalty from a handball. Uh, their next three games in the league are against Spurs, United, and City, and then the spirits will be broken. They're going into February on five points. They're going down. Oh, Jack. Jeez, I did not, I did not know that that was the schedule. I probably should check that. Uh, <laughs> that is rough. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. That's super tough. The last thing, another team that looks like they're going down. This is what I want to finish on. Sam Allardyce's West Brom. I just want to point out their current form because I hate Allardyce so much. They've lost to Leeds 5-0, Arsenal 4-0, and they lost on penalties um, to Blackpool in the third round of the FA Cup. So my question to you guys is, do you think Sam Allardyce is just going to just resign before he gets his his uh, legacy tainted by a Premier League relegation season? No, he's going to get out of the relegation zone and maintain his record of never being relegated and get that big $2 million bonus for getting West Brom out of trouble. That's my prediction. Uh, I think it's going to be a close one between three or f- maybe three teams. Actually, two. yeah, three teams battling there, Brighton, Fulham, and West Brom. Personally, I still think West Brom are going to go down. I don't know if this is obvious, but I think Fulham now have a better chance of staying up than West Brom. Uh, they've been playing a bit better stuff for me. Lately, I know their defense is very bad, but when you just look at the West Brom goal difference, it really doesn't bode well, and they've gotten smashed in quite a few of their games. So, yes, Jack, I think they're going down. There you go. Do you think, Aiden, do you think Allardyce is going to walk or resign before they actually get relegated, though, and come up with some stupid excuse like he wasn't backed in the market? Maybe. Maybe he'll say he's sick and he got COVID or something. I don't know. I could see him doing that. I could see him doing that. I could say he's like sick or something and he had to leave. Like if there was like two games before the end of the season that it was confirmed that they're going down, he could fall ill and just tear away and just leave them with a interim manager to finish the season. I could see that. Yep. We'll just say, we'll just say, I could see that happening. I do just want to point out, we don't want that to happen to Sam Allardyce. Uh, just just a little disclaimer in there obviously we're yeah not on anybody i was just saying covid because it's just kind of like his age on on the mind right now yeah like, that's yeah. all with the way he wears that mask definitely we'll finish <laughs> it we'll finish it there um thank you for listening uh we'll be back next week thank Bye. you